All right, grab your band tee and eyeliner because we're talking about the recent revival of pop punk music. And if you're looking for evidence, look no further than Top 40 Radio. Last year, Olivia Rodrigo released the song Good For You. It reached number one in 23 different countries. And its sound was a throwback to the pop punk of the 2000s. In fact, fans quickly pointed out how similar it was to the genre's classic Misery Business by Paramore from 2007. Paramore's Haley Williams and Josh Farrow were given retroactive co-writing credits for inspiring Rodrigo's hit song, Good For You. But pop punk music isn't just inspiring her. The angsty lyrics and catchy melodies of the genre are back in full force. We'll get into all of it after the break. I'm Jen White. You're listening to the 1A Podcast, where we get to the heart of the story. A reminder to have your questions answered on future topics, or just to let us know what you think, tweet us at 1A. Support for NPR and the following message come from BetterHelp, offering online counseling. BetterHelp therapist Hesu Joe knows that lockdown has been hard on us as humans. We as people are hardwired to connect with others, which is why this whole time is so difficult. The connection that happens between people can be very powerful and how healing it can be to have a healthy relationship with someone. To get matched with a counselor within 48 hours and save 10%, go to BetterHelp.com 1A. Support for NPR and the following message come from BetterHelp, offering online counseling. BetterHelp therapist Hesu Joe knows that lockdown has been hard on us as humans. We as people are hardwired to connect with others, which is why this whole time is so difficult. The connection that happens between people can be very powerful, and how healing it can be to have a healthy relationship with someone. To get matched with a counselor within 48 hours and save 10%, go to BetterHelp.com 1A. Over this last year and a half, the world's been through a lot. So on this season of the StoryCorps podcast, we'll hear stories reminding us that even when times are hard, we can still begin again. Listen to our new season wherever you get your podcasts. We're discussing all things pop punk for today's edition of the 1A Record Club. It's the 1A series when we talk to you about the newest music and why it matters. With us from Brooklyn, New York, is Erica Campbell. She's the U.S. news editor of music publication NME. Erica, welcome to 1A. Hi, thank you for having me. Also with us from New York City is Tim Marson, culture reporter for Mashable. Hi, Tim. Hello, thanks for having me. So a couple of the songs from Avril Lavigne's new album, again, it comes out on Friday, have already been released. And this is a song called Bite Me. Okay, Erica, what do you think of Avril Lavigne's new music so far? I have been listening to it all morning, and I really, really enjoy it. I mean, 
It sounds like the Avril we know and love, but it's definitely that evolution that you mentioned where it, it sounds a little different than it did when this music was first coming out. So yeah, I'm a big fan so far. Erica, how was Avril treated as an artist when her music first came out in the early 2000s? Yeah, so back when she first came out in the early 2000s, there were a lot of questions around her authenticity, um, not only because people assumed she was a poser, but also because a lot of people questioned whether or not she wrote her songs. Um, So she wasn't as accepted as she has been retroactively as these newer artists start to give her credit for, you know, inspiring them and inspiring their music. At the time, she was in this weird middle ground that um, seemed a little reactive to the current pop landscape, but people weren't as accepting of her sound and her music as they seem to be now. And what was about the what was the poser bit about? Where did that come from? I think it could have come from a lot of things. I feel like as one of the first female artists to kind of break into that scene and be, you know, at the top of the charts, there was a lot of people looking at her. You know, she stood out as not being, um, you know, like the Blink-182s or the Sum 41s and being a guy in short shorts that was, you know, talking about a girl over guitar. Um, And I think there's a lot of that when women come out and they have that same vibe and that same energy of people reacting to it and saying that they're, mimicking something as opposed to authentically creating it and basing it off their experience. So Avril Lavigne's new album is coming 20 years after her first album, and she's done some music in between there. But at a time, it's coming out at a time when this pop punk sound is is back in style. So I want to hear each of you define pop punk music and what you think makes the genre distinct, Tim? Uh, sure. Um, you know, I've, I've always kind of said it's somewhat in the eye of the beholder, um, but I but I think it's it's kind of what it sounds like to me. You know, it's it's punk music that's a little more poppy. I think there's you kind of have a more uh, a reliance on a hook, you know, on a good chorus, and uh, it's not quite pop music though because it's still kind of loud. It's still angry, uh, and actually probably more angsty than angry. Uh, so yeah, it's kind of in the eye of the, eye of the beholder, but I, I think the name does a good job of describing it. And what about for you, Erica? Yeah, I agree with Tim's definition. I think it's very much that brashness that we're used to from earlier punk music, but it's delivered in a way that's really melodic and uh, really kind of lends itself to pop and catchy lyricism that kind of gets stuck in your head and it's contagious. So it does a good job of kind of existing in between those two genres. And I think that's what people love about it. Tim, who else besides Avril Lavigne was making pop punk music in the 2000s? Because I have a feeling their names are going to come up quite a bit today. Sure. I mean, the the top of mind one, I think the, the one you have to mention is Blink-182. They were pretty ubiquitous. Uh, they, they're, I, I think for a lot of people, if you think of pop punk, they're one of the first bands you would think of. You know, there's bands like Sum 41. Um, you could probably argue that it, the pop punk as a genre kind of started with Green Day, um, but yeah, yeah, I guess Blink-182 is top of mind for me when you think of pop punk. And who was listening to pop punk music in the 2000s? You know, that's interesting. I mean, in, in the 2000s, I was probably the the ripe age for this type of music. I think I was you know, middle school, high school. And uh, I think kind of, as Erica mentioned, it felt like an outsidery type of music. Or if you're feeling angsty or, you know, some of those teenage emotions, uh, I think... The, the music really spoke to young people who might have felt like they didn't know exactly where they fit in in the landscape. Well, you got this tweet from Laurent who says, how is pop punk different than emo? 
Erica, I'm going to let you feel that one. That is a great question. Um, I feel like pop punk, like, really harkens back to those early bands still kind of like the sound of the clash and the ramones where it really does depend on this like powerful guitar playing more than just um emo and i think that emo has this um almost deeper level of sadness that's being portrayed whereby like pop punk is almost like this frustration and this disappointment um it's coming from more of an empowered place than i think that emo is Sean tweeted, Bite Me by Avril Lavigne kind of sounds like Paramore. She's not my favorite, but she's definitely talented. Give me some face-to-face, bouncing souls, saves the day, or Jimmy Eat World. Elon tweeted, as a longtime fan of pop punk emo alternative, I love to see artists like Willow emerging in the genre. We always need more black representation. And Amina emailed, I hope you do not forget to mention Pink. Tim, what role has Olivia Rodrigo played in bringing back pop punk music? I think she's played a very large role, um, and I, I think being as popular as she is and uh, kind of using the sound in at least a few of her songs, I mean, in, including the song Brutal, which I thought was uh, definitely and heavily influenced by pop punk. I think if you're that popular and you're bringing back both the style fashion-wise and the sound music-wise, uh, that's that's going to go a long way to bringing pop punk to a more kind of mainstream uh, young audience. What about for you, Erica? Yeah, I think that Olivia Rodrigo is such an example of what pop punk means to artists that are coming up right now. I think they grew up, you know, hearing the Avril Lavigne's and even bands like No Doubt that were, you know, kind of making that sound and making that punk sound feel more approachable. Um, and yeah, like like Tim mentioned, Olivia Rodrigo is a huge artist. So for her to lean into the genre and to play this guitar music and to have these lyrics that, you know, still have that existential dread that are a part of them and that frustration, um, I think it says a lot about where the genre is headed and how important and popular it is to fans. Well, in January, the entertainment company Live Nation announced a new music festival in Las Vegas called When We Were Young. <laughs> its headliners include many of the artists we've talked about today, including Avril Lavigne and Paramore. The festival sold out, so its organizers added a second day then a third, and this comes only four years after the long-running Warped Tour, which featured many of the same artists, came to an end. Uh, Tim, how much of pop punk's comeback is about nostalgia? Oh, I think quite a bit. I mean, and timing is everything, right? Uh, you know, the the culture seems to move in cycles, and right now, pop punk is in that cycle. And if you look, it's not only nostalgia for people my age who grew up with this sort of music; it's nostalgia for people who didn't have it. There's kids online who are, uh, you know, posting nostalgic videos of high school in the 2000s because they think, you know, this seemed like a great time. So I, I think nostalgia plays a huge, huge role in this. Well, Michael tweeted, pop punk is the new classic dad rock as millennials are now that age. In true dad fashion, I love the genre as a whole and its resurgence, but prefer the classics generally. But there are some cool newer releases. Erica, you know, angsty lyrics define pop punk, as you said earlier, and and angst is a feeling strongly associated with being a teenager. But we're seeing sort of this cross-section of people (laughs) accessing this music. So who do you think pop punk is for today? Oh, I think pop punk is for everyone. I think 
Tim made such a great point about how younger generation is looking at this time that we all lived through and probably didn't love that much as this, you know, era when things were simple and easy. But I also think for a lot of us who just lived through, you know, the past two years, we've kind of had this desire to go back to that time where things felt simple and easy. I really do think it's become so popular because it resonates with everyone and how everyone's feeling right now. Um, and that's why everyone, you know, is so quick to go see a pop punk show or listen to a pop punk band. Now, the musician Machine Gun Kelly, known as MGK, started his career as a rapper, but transitioned to pop punk with his 2020 album, Tickets to My Downfall. It was his first number one album and first platinum album. And MGK has a new song out this month with Willow called Emo Girl. We'll come back to Willow in a few moments. But first, Tim, talk about Machine Gun Kelly and the role he's played in Pop Punk's comeback. Uh, I, I think he's played a large role, mostly because it was sort of a surprise for some people when somebody reinvents themselves in that way, that it's going to draw more attention. Um, yeah, I think, and he's been featured on a lot of tracks with uh, other artists as well, um, you know, as a part of this resurgence. Erica, what do you think? Yeah, I think Machine Gun Kelly is, he's such a great example just because of the fact that pop punk seems to be moving into this area where they can really dip their toes into lots of different genres. And he didn't necessarily get his start with music that leaned more into rock. Um, But I think that that's kind of an interesting pathway into pop punk is being able to embrace lots of different sounds and lots of different genres. Um, And I think that resonates with a lot of fans. Now, pop punk music was born out of the punk music of the 70s. Erica, give us a short history of where the sound came from. Yeah, definitely. Um, Like a lot of people have mentioned on Twitter, that sound really came from those bands like the Ramones and the Sex Pistols and the Clash um, originally. But when you get closer to the 2000s or you get closer to the 90s, you have newer bands that are kind of still taking that way of playing guitar and that's that you know that sound that feels very brash but they're mixing it with melodies that are still very pop you know like Green Day that was mentioned and also Blink-182 that's still really prevalent now um, and then in the early 2000s you've got bands like that I was in love with like Fall Out Boy and Sum 41 and eventually we were lucky enough to have people like Avril Lavigne that we've been talking about and also Paramore and Haley Williams that really had this amazing vocal range that really brought a new sound to it, but also brought diversity because it wasn't just men making this music at that point. Now, Erica, the last song we heard, Emo Girl, features Willow. She's a young Black queer woman in today's pop punk scene. And during the genre's genesis, that would have made her an outlier, but but not today. Talk about the diversity of pop punk's comeback and how that compares to what we saw earlier. Yeah, there's been a lot of new artists that have gotten attention and have made you know, new fans and have made a huge impact on pop punk that do not look like the artists that we grew up with, which has been, I think, fantastic for the genre to have all these different perspectives. Um, And I will say that some of that has just come naturally. Like these artists grew up being able to see that women could front bands or they are able to see lesser known artists like Fifi Dobson, who was making music similar to Avril Lavigne, but she was a black woman um, in Canada who didn't get as much uh, 
credit or popularity as Avril at the time. Um, but I will also say that the recent, you know, events like the Black Lives Matter movement and people kind of looking back and making sure that they give platforms to more diverse artists has also kind of given this rise to this focus of like, these artists were already here. Are we shining a light on them? Are we making space for more diverse artists and artists of color who were already resonating with and making this pop punk music? So it's been great to kind of see them come to the forefront and take up that space. Well, Bree tweets, thank you for saying pop punk is for everyone. Bands like Meet Me at the Altar and Cliff Diver featuring women of color are changing the game. I even think with the reprisal, we're seeing how diverse the genre has always been. Well, let's give a shout out to another up and coming black musician in the pop punk scene, Kenny Hoopla. This is his song Estella, which Blink-182's Travis Barker played drums on and produced. Erica, how much are we seeing this, I hesitate to call it cross-generational, but this sort of blending of aughts, pop-punk artists, and newer artists? Yeah, I think we've seen a lot of it, and I think Travis Barker has been, like, at the forefront of this, like, from not only featuring on songs and kind of taking on this role of mentor, but creating his own label to bring up artists. And I think that's been so nice because when it comes to these opportunities to get into, you know, get in front of fans or to kind of introduce new artists to, you know, fan bases you've always had, like Travis Barker has this great legendary, you know, career with Blink-182, it gives them the opportunity to reach people that they wouldn't have necessarily reached. And I think when you have these like pop punk purist and they say they see that like Travis Barker is co-signing an artist they're more likely to like listen to that artist and give them a chance which has been great. Well something notable about pop punk's comeback is how much it's melding with other genres. Singer-songwriter Ed Sheeran joined forces with the band Bring Me the Horizon to release a new version of his hit song Bad Habits and this came out last week. Tim, do you think this this merging of, of genres is something we're seeing specifically in pop punk or really more broadly in the music industry? Uh, I think it's probably more broadly. I, I think there's less defined uh, genres. I, I think, you know, there's like Erica's mentioned where MGK kind of bridged that gap between uh, rap and pop punk. I, and now you can get kind of Ed Sheeran, which is far more pop and add more of the pop to the pop punk uh, formula, I, I think there's probably a broader trend where you're not so closely blo- uh, boxed in. We'll be back with more in just a moment. Remember to join future conversations, download our 1A Vox Pop app and leave us a voicemail.
Support for NPR and the following message come from BetterHelp, offering online counseling. BetterHelp therapist Hesu Joe knows that lockdown has been hard on us as humans. We as people are hardwired to connect with others, which is why this whole time is so difficult. The connection that happens between people can be very powerful and how healing it can be to have a healthy relationship with someone. To get matched with a counselor within 48 hours and save 10%, go to betterhelp.com slash 1A. Over this last year and a half, the world's been through a lot. So on this season of the StoryCorps podcast, we'll hear stories reminding us that even when times are hard, we can still begin again. Listen to our new season wherever you get your podcasts. Now let's get back to our conversation about the resurgence of pop punk music and who better to explain things than Jaden Hostler. He makes music as Jaden, that's spelled J-X-D-N, and his songs have been streamed more than 700 million times. Here's Jaden's song, Wannabe, featuring Machine Gun Kelly. Poison tweeted, Honestly, Jaden brought a new wave of people from Gen Z to love this pop punk space. We look at this as, yes, a revival, but also an awakening for sure. His range and voice and his covers of Driver's License showed how much you can do with this genre. Jaden's rise is a modern story of TikTok star turned rock star. Last year after his music went viral, Blink-182's Travis Barker took notice and gave him a record deal. Jaden begins his headline solo world tour this April. Jaden, welcome to 1A. Good morning. Thank you for having me. So you joined TikTok in 2019, released your first song in 2020. So a lot has happened very quickly for you. <laughs> what has it been like to attract so much interest to your music? Uh, it's so hard to actually put into words, you know, because it's really a lot of feelings that I've been through, um, a lot of ups and downs for a lot of different moments. Um, the the moment that Travis called my management team, that was just such a like an eye opener that it was real. You know, I was really chasing after my dream, but I had told myself, you know, if this doesn't work, uh, I'm not really going to do it. And I know that may uh, sound weird to some people, but I was just so set that I was born to do this. And uh, Travis's call and sign really confirmed that. So I was just so excited to be in the scene. I was ready to learn as much as I can. Who are some of your favorite pop punk artists, whether they're making music now or you listen to them? Well, you probably weren't born in, in the 2000s. <laughs> I don't know when you were born. Sorry I was about born that. in. No, you're fine. I was born in 2001. So, uh, yeah, you're right about that. I was really, really young. But it's funny. A lot of the people you were talking about recently uh, are one, my really good friends. One is a label mate of mine, and then the other one I went on tour with. So uh, Kenny Hoopla is actually a really big inspiration uh, and was this whole past year. Um, I actually got to go on tour uh, for with MGK, and Kenny ended up playing before me in the set. So um, it was really, really cool to finally have that full circle moment. Uh, but bands like Silverstein and Finch, actually, um, and The Used were really um, imperative to kind of like my learning process and the whole punk scene. What drew you to the sound? Oh, it's, the, it's so funny. I was listening. I don't know if it's Tim. I don't want to say his name wrong, but uh, oh, he was talking about the, the angst. In the music, um, my whole life, I had just been in this confined, uh, almost like compartment. You know, I grew up in a very religious uh, home and school, and and I just everything inside of me wanted to kind of like rebel, you know. And I didn't never had a place. I wasn't anywhere, and I wasn't anyone. And finally, when I 
found uh, it was really Blink-182 Dark Side was the first song I ever heard that was really like a pop punk song and it just changed my life completely um, and it, I genuinely feel like I, I hit my punk phase when I turned like mm. <laughs> 19 and 18 you know and it was really kind of a crazy uh, euphoric moment. As you're connecting with your fans what do they say draws them to, to your music? <laughs> I don't think that I could tell you. Maybe I'm just not looking hard enough. I know that they tell me. <laughs> my fans are genuinely so great. I haven't met people that are so loyal to me. Even at the concerts, I had a couple headline shows um, on uh, MGK's last tour, and the fans were unbelievably like loyal already, and it was such a new experience. So I was really blown away by that. I think that the honesty I give in my music, and also I really don't make music to, like, you know, acquire fame if that makes sense mm -hmm. i make music because i think it's going to help people i make music because i, I genuinely want to save the world with it because music saved my life you know and so um i, I think that translates but what do you mean it saved your life uh so i i'd never been to a concert in my entire life and i went to a juice world concert when i was 18 in dallas texas and uh, i remember there's a moment in the concert where there's like ten thousand people singing uh one of his songs called empty and there's a line and um, it says, I'm empty. I feel so GD empty. Um, and it, I, it's like I heard 10,000 people say it, it at once. And I like looked at Juice World, and it felt like he was making the music for me, you know. And I told myself, if he can do that for me, then I have to do this for someone else, you know. So it really was a kind of a personal internal moment that was uh, life changing for me. I'm curious what it means to you to be part of this pop punk resurgence when the genre has meant so much for you personally? It's a great honor first, you know, it's, it's really important to acknowledge, you know, the respect and honor that comes with all this stuff. I think that's what keeps legacies moving forward. So everyone that came before me, you know, sh paying respects and um, being grateful for uh, kind of the path they've laid, especially people really recent to me, like MGK, who really this last album uh, gave me such a pathway with my music. Um, and him putting me on tour, you really just got to be respectful, you know, and, and always remember that. But um, it feels like I'm changing the world, if that makes sense, but not tangibly. Like, I don't, I don't wake up thinking that I'm doing something great. It just feels like slowly but surely, you know, one drop at a time that the world's changing. And I think that's all I can ask for. And it's really, really exciting. And sometimes it feels uh, like bigger drops, you know, it feels like bigger things are happening, but it's all a slow, steady pace. And um, that's what I'm in it for. Is it also maybe a little scary, though? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, only because, you know, you dedicate your life to something. Um, failure hurts, you know, and like you feel things and um, you also get jaded and confused. And I'm sure there's going to be a point in my career where people are like, he's crazy, you know, and that all comes with it. And you see it ahead of time. and You're like, I'm OK with that. But when you get to it, it it's all different. So um, it definitely could be scary. But I think if I surround myself with the right people, which uh, I have so far, and I continue to just be authentic, I think it'll pay off in the end. Hmm. Where do you think you want to take this sound? <laughs> I remember, it's funny, um, I remember something Travis told me, and it, it, I've been very kind of asking that same question, you know, because uh, it, it, it is a question that runs through my mind almost daily. Uh, because this is my life and I look at what I've done so far so like so quickly and I look at what I want to do and Travis told me one time you know Blink had the option to 
be a really, really good punk band or be the biggest punk band in the world. And they decided to be the biggest punk band in the world and do weird things like play with Beyonce, you know what I mean? And, and go mainstream with it. And so, um, I think that my music will speak for itself. I think that I could do everything I want in my power to make something great and it still won't. But I think that when something is great, it just will. So I think when I create, continue to create there, those songs are going to live, um, timelessly and hopefully they'll be considered <laughs> at the top, you know, by people, people who like them. So we'll see. Well, I have to say one of our producers says that she thinks, I feel like I'm changing the world, but not tangibly, that that should be a song lyric. So just planting that seed with you for somewhere <laughs> down the road. Thank you for reminding me that. <laughs> we'll make sure Sophia gets writing credit. That's Jaden. That's spelled J-X-D-N. He begins his headlining world tour this April. His debut album, Tell Me About Tomorrow, was released last summer. Jaden, thanks for speaking with us. Thank you so much. Y'all have a great day. So we just heard from Jaden, who got his start on TikTok. I mean, how has the internet, especially TikTok, fueled pop punk's comeback, Erica? I mean, I think TikTok has been so, such a driver of how people are listening to music now. I mean, obviously, Jaden just speaking about his career and being able to get in front of his fans through TikTok. But also, we mentioned Olivia Rodrigo earlier and how just how huge driver's license was on TikTok. I think the internet in general has always lended itself to people who felt isolated and like they couldn't resonate with the people that were physically around them. So being able to find people and artists who have the same experience as you or whose music speaks to you, the internet's always kind of been that common ground to do that. And TikTok has definitely played into that for this resurgence. Well, I want to make sure to note that the pop punk revival isn't just happening in the U.S. It's happening overseas, too. That's the Korean group Tomorrow by Together. What's the appeal of the genre to K-pop, Tim? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's very much the appeal for anyone. Uh, you know, Erica said pop punk is for everyone. And I think, you know, one, the, there's, the, there's an aesthetic appeal. Uh, there's the fashion. There's kind of like looking cool as you do it. And then two, I mean, I think it's it's kind of universal. I mean, the, one of the members of uh, TXT covered Skater Boy. Like, the, it's for everyone once you get to know it. Well, thinking back to the genre's original heyday in the 2000s, the most notable event was 9-11 in 2001. Erica, when you think about the genesis of pop punk, you know, what do you think about and, and what was happening in the world at that time and how the music was a response to that? Yeah, one of the uh, listeners did a really great job of conveying that as well, like climate change, 9-11, these sort of things when you start to realize that the world around you isn't really under your control and that there are issues that are kind of surrounding you. Um, I think that that was kind of like an underlying thing that kind of allowed pop punk to have its heyday. Um, and also just like a reaction to the music and that was coming out at the time. You know, we had a lot of pop artists like Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera that were making these songs that were very catchy, but they weren't really resonating with our experience as people that felt like 
we didn't belong or we weren't safe. Um, so I think that that really did push it to the forefront then. And I think there's similar experiences globally that are pushing that desire for this type of music to the forefront now. That's Erica Campbell, the U.S. News Editor for NME. Also with us today, Tim Marson, a culture reporter for Mashable. Today's producer was Avery J.C. Kleinman. This program comes to you from WAMU, part of American University in Washington, distributed by NPR. I'm Jen White. Thanks for all your great suggestions and feedback. This is 1A.